0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Mystery Theory Podcast. If you're coming from my YouTube channel for extra content, welcome. If you are new and you just randomly found my podcast, welcome. This is um, my little piece of um, conspiracy theories, true crime cases, and everything that I'm interested in. And at the same time, um, the The cases that I love to do research on, I put my own twist in these cases and I try to think from both perspectives, you know, the victim, the victim's families, the actual, you know, the the person that actually committed the crime, whatever it is. And I try to come up with my own theory or my own lesson to learn from these cases. So for me, it's a mind puzzling and it's interesting. And if you are listening to this kind of content, it's probably something similar to you. For me, is the trying to understand what goes through the mind of the people that decide to commit a crime. And, you know, either kill somebody or, you know, rape or whatever it is why do they think that's the right way or why do they think that's the only way that they can do this or what is it it's really puzzling to me so that is why i love to cover this kind of content not because i love what happened to these people either the victim or whoever did it because i think both lives will be ruined after something like any of the cases that i cover but um but because of that aspect, that in my head, I feel the need to know if it's a chemical balance or what it is. So, that, you know, I should explain, but a chemical and balance, that will tell you that that's the right thing to do. Is it something a little bit more powerful? Maybe, a, maybe something that, you know, you get possessed by? I don't know, but... This research is how I, what I enjoy doing, and for, you know, try to answer my questions. So, today's case is about a guy that accidentally lost two wives, and we're going to talk about each one of them. We're going to go through the evidence, and it's going to look like a clue game have you ever played the clue game i remember when my kids were younger we used to play it all the time and i would always guess the wrong one but um those cases are a little bit different because there's actual evidence but um it's almost like you look one way and you're like "Mm, is it really that guy or isn't it you know it's just always leaves you wondering it's it that's why i decided to share with you guys this case it's that way, or at least was for me when I started to do my research on it. Now, let's start. Let's start with the second marriage. Um, Tony and Harold met in nineteen ninety nine, when Tony was thirty seven years old, and her family was really excited about her finding, quote unquote, true love. Uh, she was um, coming out from a divorce. And they really were hoping that she found that guy that she wanted to have in her life. Um, she used a Christian website they called Matchmaker, where she met Harold Henthorne, yeah, her boyfriend at the time. And according to Tony, he was very kind, romantic, and smart. That's how she described him. Again, both of them lost their partners under different circumstances. Tony's marriage ended in divorce, and Harold's wife died in a tragic accident. However, when he was asked about it, he claimed that she had an accident, a car accident, but he didn't really want to talk about it, which they didn't understand because... You understand that if you, if you lose somebody that you love very dearly, you'd, you probably don't want to talk about it with people that you're getting to know, especially the family of your new girlfriend. Um, Tony was very attractive. She was charming and she was successful because she was an eye doctor and a surgeon in Jackson, Mississippi. According to her brother, who is a cardiologist, she was the smartest lady he ever met. Harold um, described his career, quote-unquote career, as a fundraising consultant with his own company. So, he had his own business cards. I mean, he basically had a a small company where he was uh, the one man in the company. He could manage everything by himself. But he claimed that he was very, very successful. A year after they met, and they got married in Mississippi, but um, Hero had contacts for work in Denver, Colorado, so they decided to move there. In the meantime, of course, Tony joined a local um, ophthalmologist practice, and um, she started to work there, of course, in Denver, Colo- Colorado, where they moved to in 2005 they had a daughter now remember that in 1999 tony was 37 years old and everything that i read they said that they received their daughter in 2005. i am assuming that they either adopted this little girl but it was a baby so maybe they did have her i am not sure it really doesn't matter in this case but I know that there's people that like to like to correct me when you know they know more about this case, and you're always, you know, feel free to do that. But um, it's not really clear to me how. But they, they they had a daughter in 2005, which is the important part. Harold, um, at the time also he had a friend. His name was is Daniel, Estelle. still alive so his name is daniel and he was planning to move to denver so harold and tony let them stay with them for a while daniel said that while he was there that the family was pretty much a normal family a busy family tony would wake up to go to work and harold stayed in his office apparently working in He would leave, according to Daniel, uh, to meet customers for lunch or something like that. And this is what Harold uh, told him, of course, because they weren't really working together. Now, uh, let's go to 2006. So a year later, after they had uh, their daughter, Barry which was tony's brother remember that he was a cardiologist and he needed to demonstrate how the cat scan machine worked so i don't know why but maybe there were new doctors or something but he was doing like a test thing so he used harold for it and when he um was doing this demonstration he realized that hero arteries were dangerously closed and he was at the verge of having a heart attack so he was rushing to surgery and basically because of that silly demonstration he saved his life. Now let's go a little bit more forward into 2011 and at this time they went the family went tony harold and their daughter went to this cabin that they had it was a vacation cabin that they had i don't know if they rented or if there was them's uh, or if it was them theirs i should say and um uh, but something really weird happened because while they were there a beam fell on top of tony and tony Later on, explained to her mom that she actually reached to grab something that it was on the floor, and that is why the beam fell in an area that didn't kill her. But if he actually, if she actually didn't reach, she would probably be dead by then. So, because she was reaching to pick up this thing from the floor, um, it hit the the back of her neck, but she only broke a burtabrae. Well, I'm saying only broke, I'm sure that it's very painful, but it's something very small compared to die there. She was okay, um, but uh, she did need a lot of care, of course. However, Harold didn't feel like he needed to call the family to inform that she had that accident, which sounded a little bit suspicious to me anyways. Because I know that every time, you know, something happens to me, I know my husband will call my family and let them know. Maybe after the fact that we're in the hospital, maybe after the fact that I am sick, maybe not right away. But it sounded a little bit suspicious that he didn't call the family. At this point, the family started to see how Harold was changing and became demanding, jealous. And one of the things that I realized, it was almost like he was trying to detach Tony from her family. Every time that the family would call, um, it was set up, the phone was set up in a way that if at home nobody picked up, the call would go to his cell phone, something that still is going on. I know I have a neighbor friend that still has that going on, but, um, According to Tony's family, every time that they would call to talk to Tony, he would come up with an excuse of why Tony couldn't get to the phone. And at least that's what they suspected, that it was just excuses. And if by any chance they got Tony to pick up the phone, or Haley, their daughter, um, they would they would have to be on a speaker so he could listen. Maybe a little bit controlling, according to Tony's brother Barry. Okay. The family could have been wrong at this point, right? I mean, it could have been something that they thought it was going on, but maybe not really. But the weird thing is that they weren't the only ones thinking at the time that something was up with this guy. It wasn't the same guy. Um, Tony's co-workers explained that he was the same way with them too. For instance, every time they would have a doctor's meeting, Harold wanted to be there, but he wasn't a doctor. His wife was. It was weird because he was the only one that didn't actually work at the place or, you know, the office, and he wasn't a doctor either, so they didn't understand why he would feel the need to participate in each one of the meetings. And they even said that they adored uh, Tony at the office, but they always referred to Harold as the quote unquote creepy guy that made them very uncomfortable. Um, another thing the people at the office said that she wouldn't take any appointments after her normal hours if she didn't consult with him first. Let's say that her normal hours were, I don't know, 9 to 12 for the day. And they got a walk-in or something, or they got somebody who wanted to go at 12 or whatever, and she would have to stay longer. I mean, he, I mean, she needed to call him to get the okay for her to stay. So, when... The 12-year anniversary of their marriage came around. It was pretty weird for Tony's co-workers to hear from Harold asking for their help for planning this trip. Apparently, he was going to take her to the Rocky Mountain National Park. And uh, he wanted a little bit of help with the scheduling, so they would clear her schedule so she could go not tell her anything about it so kind of hide it uh, from her so it was going to be a surprise he was going to come on the day of and take her to whatever this place that they were going um when the day came the even the coworkers thought maybe this guy is not that bad as we thought they got it on video when he went to pick her up and surprise her with the trip while she was working and they left now that is the last image of her alive taken by a friend or a family member there are a few pictures while they were in the national at the national park but it's nothing um, that wasn't taken by her or Harold. it was september 29th 2012 when they got to the rocky mountain national park and right away they decided to go on a hike after two miles of hiking in the trail, Harold got out of it and decided to hike in a harder terrain, even though he knew she had bad knees. She wasn't able to hike that rugged terrain, but apparently she still tried. According to, um, to uh, Tony's brother, he claimed that It was very weird for her to say yes to go there because she knew that her knees were weak and that it was impossible for her to hike that. But let's just think for a moment. She didn't know the area. He lived there before. Maybe he's been there a hundred times before she was there. Maybe he said, let's go take a picture. You know, there's a, a pretty awesome you point right here a hole in your hand and promise you it's going to be worth it we don't know what he actually said but we know that she did agree to go with him into this area but sadly tony really tried to go here to to this rock terrain but she fell from 140 feet to her death i'm going to explain a little bit more about that but Just so you know, after she fell, Harold decided to text Tony's brother, Barry, remember the doctor that saved his life? And in one of the texts it said, Urgent, Tony injured, critical, requested flight for life. And, I mean, there's pictures of this text. And then he texted later on, she's gone. Now it's very stern to inform the family that his 50-year-old sister die. It was... Uh, I understand... Uh, for what I've... seen in different interviews... that it was a... surprise. Of course it would be. But uh, it was shocking... in the family at first. Again, they were in shock. But after everything... sunk in for the family... They realized that things weren't really adding up. Why was Tony hiking a rock terrain when they know she wouldn't have wanted to? She wouldn't have because she knew how weak her knees were. It seemed very suspicious. But again, maybe he did try to convince her saying, let's go take a picture here. I promise it will be worth it. Or... We're just gonna go a couple feet over there and you'll see how amazing or the view from here. It's beautiful. Nobody knows about this pot and I'm gonna show it to you. Whatever the case would, you know, would be. Um But uh another thing that the family found as a red flag is that he decided to text while everything was going on. You think that he would try to help right? Wait for rescue, flag them, cry, talk to her, you know try to keep her awake um but not immediately call the family, giving them the reports on how fast she was dying. I mean he did call nine one one and uh he and i'm gonna go i'm gonna talk about the nine one one call at the end, but uh Apparently, he did follow the instructions of 911, but it doesn't make sense that he decided... In my head, doesn't make sense that he decided, and for the family either, that he wanted to let the family know in an impersonal text because he could have called uh, apparently he did have signal in the area according to their research and the investigation afterwards he did have signal so he could have called i think call this a little bit more personal it's relatable you can see and feel the expressions the feelings of the other person while you are on a text you can't so it's easier to hide things while you're texting and, and, and it's very impersonal again but even for the family, it was interesting to see that while she was still alive and then died, he decided to report through text message. Um, also, his story started to change every few minutes, it seems like, because at first, according to Harold, he um, realized that she wasn't right behind him because he was hiking, I mean, apparently he was going first in faster than she was, so He went back to look for her and found her on the floor after she fell. That is the first scenario, which it sounds very cruel because you're convincing somebody who has bad knees to go to this place and then you hike fast enough that you lose them. Maybe grab their hands. Maybe let them go first so you can help them if they, you know, but oh well. Then he changed the story and he said that he got a text message that he was reading at the time. And then when he put his head back up, uh, he realized that she wasn't there and looked down and there she was. So apparently she didn't scream or anything. I mean, 140 feet, a, it's, its you know, it's quite a lot. Then he changed the story again, and he said that Tony was taking a picture of him and fell backward while doing so, which is something that happens, okay? It sounds very silly, but it happens a lot, so it's not that silly. I remember in one of the trips of uh, my daughter's camping trips, I remember that one of the teachers fell that way, and it was maybe a couple feet or something like that. Maybe it wasn't even that bad, but... I mean, she had to be rushed to the hospital, and she, I mean, it, it was bad, and it wasn't 140 feet, so it happens, it's it's not uncommon that a person gets hurt while trying to take a picture. Now, three different stories in less than 48 hours, but which one is the real one, no one could tell. People started talking and, saw, and trying to find an explanation of why he was given different stories so some people blamed ptsd um the family didn't think so though apparently he went back to normal planned a beautiful funeral with picture slides perfectly planned songs and even live music almost like it was planned ahead of time and according to the family there wasn't any kind of um abnormal behavior and quote-unquote abnormal behavior for someone who lost a loved one because there is not a normal behavior um people in my opinion deal with things differently some people decide to put all their you know efforts up i remember my aunt when my grandpa died that she put all her efforts in plan, planning the funeral because she didn't want to deal with what was going on um so I understand that people would put their energy in different things to try to cope with it. But the family found it a little bit interesting that he was so normal. It was like nothing ever happened to the guy. Another thing that the family didn't like and um, didn't care for was that he decided to cremate Tony. Even though her family asked her not to do it. Um, Tony's mom, which is the sweetest old lady I've ever scene. She um, begged him not to do it. But to the family, it almost seemed like he was trying to hide something. And at this point, Barry, which is Tony's brother again, believes that he probably pushed her. And he was trying to very hard to hide some kind of evidence or something. Now, as every a fall and apparent accident the police had to investigate and they found something very disturbing in his car. Apparently they got the map of the trail where they were hiking but it had a line on the detour that they took and an X in the area exactly where she fell. Why did he mark that even before getting there? Now, something a little bit more suspicious is after the funeral daniel which is the friend of harold Antony, that was there trying to um he was moving to denver remember we talk about him a few minutes ago and he stayed with the family uh he was outside the funeral home and uh when harold uh, kind of bro- approached him said they found the map they found the map and he was worried at the time, Daniel didn't think anything of it. He thought that he was uh, uh, he was grieving and uh, attributed to that. But later on, we'll see why he was so worried about it and why he decided to go to Daniel to tell him this. A few weeks later, Harold tells Daniel that the map with the X, it was for Daniel, actually, and not for Harold himself, and um, that he wanted to show him the highlight of the trail. He even said to Daniel, I would have never hurt her. You know that, right, Daniel? You live with us. You know that I wouldn't be I, I couldn't do that to her. We were happy. And Daniel at that point believed him. But it was a little bit suspicious because they haven't been talking about the trail. They didn't talk about the national park. They didn't talk about going together. They didn't go. They didn't talk about maybe Daniel going by himself. So it was a little bit suspicious. So in the meantime, the family, friends and co-workers decided to send dozens of letters requesting an investigation on Harold thinking that he pushed her. They had no evidence, but everything looked very suspicious to them. But at that time, something that really helped them push the police to investigate a little bit more was the fact that a CBS reporter got a tip that changed everything. This was a tip that said that his first wife, Harold's first wife, died in a freak accident and to please look into it. So, the reporter decided to investigate uh, both accidents and realized that both of them are very unusual. So, again, he was either a very unlucky guy or something else was going on here. While he was investigating, he realized that both wives had a lot of life insurance on them. And guess what? Harold was going to be the only beneficiary for both of them. So, the investigation continued and now we learn that his first wife, Lynn, was a young and beautiful social worker that fell in love with Harold. The family, like Tony's family, were happy for her. She seemed really happy and she seemed to find the perfect guy for her. He was a nice guy again and became a wonderful uncle to Lynn's um uncle, to Lynn's nieces and nephews. He was amazing to Lynn's family, so they loved the guy. He He was another uncle in the family. On May 6, 1995, everything changed when they got a call from a paramedic saying that they had an accident and that Lynn was gone. Once the family arrived at you know, the area where they had the accident, they comforted Harold and they were told that it was a freak accident. Apparently, Harold and Lynn were going to dinner to this remote area. Back then, I don't know if it's a remote area right now, but it's called Sedalia. And while they were driving, Harold thought that he had a flat tire, so he pulled off to the check it out and see if it was actually flat. At the time, Harold um, decided that he was going to change the tire he didn't want to risk it, even though the tire wasn't really infl- you know, it wasn't really flat. Maybe it needed a little bit more air, but it wasn't really flat. So he started to change the tire and Lynn was helping by holding um, the tire's lug nuts. When one of them fell under the car, she went under the vehicle to retrieve it and at the same time Harold was throwing the tire in the back of the jeep. And this basically knocked the jeep Jeep off off the jack that they had it on and Onto Lynn's, um, that was right under the Jeep. Now, Lynn's siblings at the time thought that it was very bizarre and weird, for lack of a better word, that Lynn decided to go under the car because she wasn't really very handy. She wasn't going to be the kind of girl that was going to, you know, change a tire herself or, you know, mm, it just didn't make sense to them but they just couldn't believe that this was that would this would be something that he did on purpose so the police investigated the accident quote unquote and noticed some inconsistencies this was back in 1995 okay because we're going to the first marriage now now in one of the statements he told one of the deputies that they were driving back from dinner he told another deputy that they were going to go get dinner then, in another statement, he said that Lynn called out his name after the jeep fell on her. And then he told another deputy that she said, I think something's on me, which are completely different sentences for something that really barely happened a few minutes ago. And even if you're in shock, this kind of story is changing. Well, a little bit suspicious. He also said that he pulled her out from underneath the jeep. And then he told another deputy that the people that stopped by were the ones to help her pull her out. So again, a lot of conflicting stories in a very sad tragedy. Now, the, the, the sheriff only investigated for six days this case and closed it by saying that this was an accidental death. Harold continued to share his story in the following years. And I don't know if he was looking for empathy or what he was looking for, but... Every time he shared it, he would contradict himself from the previous version. Um, to some people, he would say that the CBR people didn't know what they were doing and crashed her. To other people, she, he would say that she was killing a head-on car accident and not under a car. So again, the conflicting conflicting stories were not only for part of the investigation, but later on. Now, let's go to... 2011. Now let's go back to, you know, the second wife investigation. Laura Thomas became the Douglas County coroner in 2011. So this was 16 years after Lynn's death. She was a Colorado State Trooper for decades, but she didn't know about Lynn's case. Once she learned about Tony's death and the suspicions they had because of the previous wife, she decided to investigate. A lot of things didn't add up once again so she really wanted to know what happened in 1995 with Lynn's accident. An accident reconstruction expert went over the details and even found a vehicle like the one Harold was driving and de the tire to the point that Harold had his tire that he was changing and he determined that it was okay to continue to drive with You know, the amount of air that that one had and that there was no need to change it. It probably, again, needed a little bit of air, but it wasn't dangerous to continue to drive with the tire. That was the first thing. The second one was that the jack that he used, um, okay, they found, of course, a similar jack that Harold used at the time. And according to the expert, this is a very precarious and not the kind that you need to lift 5,000 pounds. So it wasn't strong enough. It was a very precarious. And that wasn't the one that came with the Jeep. Now, what the police asked them, why did you use, you know, in 1995, why did you use that jack? He says, well, the one that came with the Jeep was broken. But according to the expert, now, in 2011, he says that the likeliness of that jack being broken for that year, for that specific jack, for that specific you know, jeep, it's 0%. Sadly, the sheriff's office didn't check to make sure that he was telling the truth at the time. So even though that's what... Hero claimed nobody took the time to check if the jack was actually broken or not. They just took the war for it. It didn't seem like it was broken, but they needed to actually test it to see if you know, it was broken or not, but nobody did at the time. The expert also said that the lug nut wasn't round. I don't know about around the world, but I know here in the States... The kind of um, tool that you use, of course it can't be around because otherwise you won't be able to remove it. It had edges and they were parked in the gravel. So even if it rolled under the vehicle, it would have been on arm's reach because it wouldn't roll. So either somebody threw it there so she would go get it. Or it was placed there after the fact. Something happened, but it just didn't make sense that this roll under the car and she had to reach all the way there. Even Laura Thomas, the new coroner for Douglas County, thinks that Harold might have got away with murder in Lynn's accident. At this point, with all this evidence and the expert opinion, he might have, you know, in her opinion, he might got away with it back then. But in December of 2014, Laura decided to change Lynn's death from accident to undetermined and reopen Lynn's case. Meanwhile, the federal investigators continued to investigate on Tony's accident, so they decided to interview Daniel, remember the friend that was staying with them, and the one that Harold said that he made the X in the map for. The first thing that they asked Daniel, though, is if he knew what the kind of job that Harold did. And he told them that he was a fundraising consultant. That was what he told everyone, you know, his business card and pretty much everyone knew that's what he did. But the investigator told Daniel that uh, Harold haven't worked actually in the last 20 years and he had no income at all in the last 20 years, even though he was telling everybody how well he was doing. When Harold got caught, he actually told the police that Tony knew about it. She knew that he wasn't working. But Tony's family disagreed because he was the one who managed the money in the household. So he could have fooled, you know, Tony by paying all the bills on time and doing everything but with her money and not his money. Now, the question is, was this point... I don't know if you're wondering the same, but after all this evidence, was the beam that fell on her another accident or maybe it was Harold's first unsuccessful try to get rid of Tony? That played a big role, again, in this investigation as well. But now the police believe that he is in it for the money. And in Lynn's insurance, he he got $645,000. And then for Tony's, he was going to potentially get millions of dollars. The FBI also found a forged signature in a life insurance application that Harold put up for his sister in law, not the actual one, but Lynn's sister for over $400,000 that she didn't even know about. And guess what? Harold was the beneficiary. So when they told, lynn's sister about this policy she had no idea and both of them police and lynn's sister agreed that she was probably going to be the next victim they were very close um lynn's uh sister and hero they were very close again lynn had a few kids and hero was almost like an uncle to the uncle to them in November two thousand fourteen, Harold was arrested and charged by federal authorities with first degree murder on Tony's death, and the evidence of Lynn's death was going to help to convict Sky. It was almost going to be the what is was going to strengthen uh, Tony's case, because they had no eyewitnesses, no confessions, only circumstantial evidence. So it was going to be a hard trial if the judge didn't. Wasn't going to admit Lynn's evidence as part of this case too. Sometimes judges do that because they don't want to judge the person for what they did before. But in this case, the judge, the judge, the judge did allow it. Now, the police also had a few extra things that you know they they play a big part in this trial. Number one, um, they could prove that he did a few trips before going in this particular one with his wife to that area, specifically the area where she died. Pinning his phone to that location, he went there not two or three times, but nine different times. Almost like he was getting ready to do that in their anniversary. They provided also drawn footage of where they were and the different scenarios and things that he claimed that happened and how unlikely or not likely they were the 911 call was also part of the el- and the evidence um the operator was instructing him how to do CPR and he claimed that he did it but when the um the rescue got there they realized that her lipstick was still on so maybe he didn't do the mouth to mouth again a little suspicious also Barry's testimony um, that stated that he got called to testify and he told that um and showed the messages where Harold showed him or told him that her heart rate was really really high and then that it was really really slow now he, he was you know Family member that he was sad because of this tragedy, but at the same time, he's a cardiologist, so he knew that it was a lot of nonsense that he was feeding him. There was no way that she could go through those things in the period of time that he claimed that she did. It was not likely, it was almost like he planned the whole thing to say that to him, or maybe made it up at the moment. But you're talking to an expert here who probably not probably but do knows more than you so he caught them on that lie too and finally the map i mean with the x exactly where she died that was the evidence that you know it was almost like okay this is my plan and this is exactly where i'm gonna kill her now daniel the friend that stayed with them was called to testify and he told the court that hero told him he made the map for him but They haven't talked about it or anything. So Daniel knew that wasn't made for him either. And Daniel, while testifying, said that he believed that he planned this trip to actually get rid of Tony right there. Another evidence that Harold took, um, well, another of the evidence was something that was a big deal that I'm going to give you the basics of. According to the investigation, Tony had her wedding ring. And after she died, somebody took it out of her finger, which left some marks, removed the diamond, and then put it back in her finger. Now, you're probably wondering, maybe it was because of the you know fall. Yeah, it could have been, but they swept the entire area. They looked under every rock, every crevice, every, every, everything, and they couldn't find it. So the police thought at the time, yeah, this looked like somebody removed the, the ring. What if he did it? What if he removed the ring to get the $30,000 worth diamond? And um, so they started to push it, you know. And this was while they were investigating. This wasn't in the Turing trial, but they pushed him so much that I feel like they got to him. Because <laughs> miraculously... This thirty thousand dollar diamond showed up in the area that they already went through, and it was in plain sight, so nobody could have missed it where it was. It almost seemed like he went back and he placed it there. Finally, they provided the evidence of the previous accident quote unquote accident with this ex with the wife with the previous wife, I should say, and established a pattern of behavior but the jury. You know, according to the jury that I've heard an interview with one of them, they really wanted to hear from Harold, but the defense lawyer, he didn't think it was going to be such a great idea, so he didn't call any witnesses and rested the case, hoping that the jury would see that there was no physical evidence and, you know, creating some kind of doubt. Now, the jury came back after 10 hours of deliberation and they all agreed that Harold Hanthorn was guilty of first-degree murder. Right after the trial, some of the jury went and tried to find um tony's mom which as i mentioned before she's one of the sweetest old ladies i've ever seen and they hugged her and told her how much you know they were sad for her and that no mother should have to go through that which i agree with Now, going back to barry after the trial and everything he claims that he doesn't regret saving harold's life as a physician for his oath and what he is supposed to do, what what with what he knows. But at the same time, with tears in his eyes, he says that he wants his sister back. And wonder why he was put in that position or that situation in the first place to save his life. Wasn't it it wasn't something that, you know, he went to a checkup. It wasn't something that he was feeling sick. It was a random thing that he was helping with and then all of a sudden he ended up saving Carol's life, who ended up killing his sister. Now, Barry and his wife took the couple's daughter, Haley, back to Mississippi and plan to adopt her. They really want to adopt her. They want her to know about her mom and how wonderful she was. And they also want her to be raised in the area, the Tony Cole home. Again, another very sad story about... Again, my opinion, greed. And as I mentioned before, it's one of the things that really bothers me. Greed. I just feel like it's uh, one of those things. I mean, money is one of those things that if you work hard enough, you can get it. If you have aspirations since you are a young kid and... You know, you want to have a lot of money, then you have to find a career that is going to give you that amount of money that you want for your life. If you decide that you don't really want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an architect, um, or business, an entrepreneur, whatever the case may be. If you decide that you don't really want to study about something that is going to give you money, then you have to... I mean, my advice is... Find your passion. Let's say you love animals and you didn't study to be a vet or a vet technician. You don't really have the means to go back to school, but your passion is with pets. Then go to the county and get a job there in the shelter. Um, Go and volunteer there until they know how great you are and you can get a spot there. Um, Maybe... Just go for fun and pet the puppies and grow your love for animals and let that be your compass to kind of show you where to go next. If, you know, you just have to find how you can do what you love and find a way to get paid for it. I mean, if you really want to help people and uh, to get them better, you know, sickness and stuff, yeah, more than likely you're not going to be able to unless you become a doctor and you go to school for it. There's a million other things that you can do with a passion that you have. If you have a passion for kids, maybe you wanted to be a social worker and it didn't end up working for you maybe you can work there for them for a social worker maybe you can be an assistant maybe you you know what i mean there's ways that you can find where you can explore and work for what you love your passion is and find a way to get paid for because that's basically how the only way that you're going to enjoy job but please understand that you're not going to get paid as a lawyer or as a doctor or as a professional that burned their eyelashes studying for many many years and probably got in debt for that as well you're not going to get the same results because you chose to do something different so this is the kind of thing that I believe that this guy went through. He realized that he didn't have what he wanted. And he tried to find a way, illegal way, by the way, <laughs> to get that money. And um, yeah, he got away for quite some time. But he didn't finally get away with it. I'm glad that, you know, a lot of people actually cared Enough to open the investigation of the previous wife. Enough people care to get an expert and and ask the right questions. Why was he using that jack? Why was he saying that it rolled under the, the, the vehicle when it actually can't roll under the vehicle, especially in the kind of terrain that they were I'm glad that this is a combination of people that decided that this was important enough. And I'm happy that even though it took those many years for him to get caught, Lynn's death, you know, it's, it gets some kind of closure. And the guy didn't get away with it. Yeah, the family lost Lynn and the family lost Tony. But at least they can sleep at night knowing that they did everything they could to get the guy who thought who could get away with it and uh, I think at the end even though that's not going to bring them back at least it's something it's a comfort to know that I'll, you know, a lot of people care enough to look into this a little bit deeper and that justice was served in this case and I believe that everyone is in. in, in that's a law everyone is innocent until proven guilty but I think there's more than enough evidence to point to this guy and uh, I'm happy that it was resolved in a way that you know maybe we this prevented him to kill his um, ex-sister-in-law so i'm gonna leave you with that and hope that if you're a young guy or girl who's looking for more in this life is that you start to ask yourself what you really love and what you can do with what you really love to get paid for if you're okay with the amount of money that you're gonna make if you really want to explore other alternatives and things that you can do to improve your own passion and your own abilities within your passion and maybe do something you know to get more money but getting being greedy it will never be the answer it will make you commit or make mistakes i should say Do things that you may be against, but you are excusing them because of the greed that is taking over you. So, just think twice. Be smart. Be safe. Appreciate what you have. And always try to do better for you. Not better than, but better than what you were before. You're not better than anybody else or you're less than anybody else for the kind of career that you choose. But please understand that every single choice that you make will have a consequence and you'll have to understand that you'll have to live with it. So thanks again for listening to today's podcast. It's probably pretty long, but I hope that you enjoy it and I hope that you join me next week for a new episode on Wednesdays. I will be doing a new case that for next Wednesday it's pretty interesting I'll be doing my research I'll be finishing my research over the weekend so thank you so much and I will see you on my next episode bye guys